And now a word from our sponsors. All her life, Joan placed herself into the hands of men who failed her. Joan does the unthinkable for a woman in 1960, leaving her small town of Gainesfield. As an accomplished musician, Joan served her country in the first ever women's Air Force band, San Antonio, Texas. She unwittingly becomes part of a brainwashing experiment. After her Air Force service, returning to society is particularly hard for Joan, so much so that she has spent a good deal of her life in a mental institution. As a patient in a VA hospital, Joan is found murdered. Small-town secrets, whispers behind closed doors, stolen records, serve to solve the mystery of what the hell happened to Joan? This book is a work of fiction, but very well could have happened. This is not a test. This is your annual announcement. This year we are offering Scarefair, which will be held on Saturday, October 30th at the San Bernardino County Fairgrounds in Victorville, California. Gates open at 9 a.m. and close at 9 p.m. General admission tickets are only $22 in advance and $25 at the door. VIP tickets are $45 in advance and $50 at the door while supplies last. In the morning, we will be offering trick-or-treating for the kids throughout our vendors. And for the adults, we have tons for you as well. Come meet horror icons like Joe Bob Briggs, Elaine Dietz from The Exorcist, Dr. Satan himself, Walter Phelan, and John Masari, who composed Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Don't forget that we have the psychotic carnival of thrills, where you become part of a horror story. Then, when the sun goes down, enjoy our live music as Roadwork opens for American Zombie, a Rob Zombie spook show. That's not enough? Okay, how about a Scream Queen contest hosted by the ladies of the Taki Horror Podcast Show? Or our cosplay contest, one for the kiddies and one for the adults. So gather your courage and come join the fun. For more information, go to www.pcehd.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 146. Welcome. Welcome to the world of Myth Bits. We are posed and ready for the much anticipated review episode for issue 99, which also means we are a single issue away. We are the next issue is the hundredth episode. And uh I'm fairly certain it's gonna be a huge, huge, huge thing. But first and foremost, before we can even jump into this month's review, let's go through a bit of housekeeping. So, first and foremost, Dark Myth Publications has a couple of things to cover this week. A uh, pre-sale for the 50th anniversary edition of Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner will conclude this Saturday. And we'll start general orders on Saturday, September 4th. Then... Three days later, Walter G. Usselman's new release, Liberty's Run, book one, hit shelves on September 7th. So mark your calendars. Uh, by the time this airs, the 4th will have passed, but we will be coming up to the 7th. All right, and Dark Myth Comics is actively working on new American Smash comics, still written by creators Alan Russo and David K. Montoya, but will be drawn by former Majestic Comics artist Idris Yusuf, 
Also, keep your eyes out for a call for submissions for Chronicles of the Unknown, Luchador Horror Mashup. Also, the Jayzo Modcast current lineup continues to grow in popularity, and you can listen to us on any outlet that delivers podcasts. Season 5 of My Public Life as an American Nerd with Eddie Aguiar can now be found on the Jayzo Modcast YouTube channel or under podcasts at PCEHD.com. Speaking of Eddie and PCEHD, he is actively putting final touches on vendors while Dave is in the last stage of negotiations with our final guest, celebrity for this year's event. Tickets can be purchased at PCEHD.com or in person at Comic Cult in Hesperia, California, or at Megatom's Burgers in Apple Valley, Spirit Halloween in Victorville, and MythMart.com. But MythMart is down to its final 25 tickets. Once they run out, they will not be restocking them. And since we are on the topic of MythMart and restocking, the World of MythBits t-shirts will be on sale for purchase. They are on sale. They are actively on sale. Uh, for only $21. Yay! Also, they have restocked the one-shot comic of American Smash. So get your copy while they are in stock. ZombieWorks is still taking submissions for Natural Instincts. If you go to www.zombieworks.us slash submissions, you can go there and see what we are looking for in this year's festive anthology. And in other news, with issue number 99 of The World of Myth releasing this past Friday, that means we are open for submissions for our 100th issue. We want your stuff, but since we are expecting a large volume of submissions, please only one entry per genre. As always, send your creative goodness to Stephanie Barty at theworldofmyth.com. And finally... Open Contract Challenge Art Edition will begin Halloween Day. So that has left me completely breathless. That was a lot of information to go through. (laughs) But that also moves us along into what you've all been waiting for. I keep waiting for the episode where you're finally going to insert the drum roll. Like, I I just am waiting for it. I think it's very rude that you just leave me hanging. (laughs) But yes. We can now begin our official take on this month's issue while we can now get started on this month's issue that also can uh, take us back to last month's issue. For this month, we have The Coin, written by Christopher Bice. Went a little different path with this one, a little more lyrical in a sense of how a poem will flow against the background music. So please enjoy The Coin by Christopher Bice. I followed the path through the glen. It's an old trail used by many men. But today something caught my eye. I nearly missed it as I was walked by. Just off the path was wee piece of gold, a smallish gold coin, who knew how old. I bent to retrieve it, and what did I see? A little person hiding behind the tree. Excuse me, good sir, I see my gold coin you found. It must have fell from me pocket onto the ground. If you pass it over, and give it back to me, I'll put me nose to my finger, give one wish for free. What is it, mister? Tell your wish to me. Give me the coin. Come sit by the tree. I told the wee man, my wife is about to give birth. Here's your coin. Can you promise heaven and earth? The wee man scrunched up his nose, then pulled out his pipe. He packed it with tobacco, calmly asked for a light. I'll tell you what, mister, you better run straight home. You don't want to leave mother and child all alone. I ran home through the glen. I needed to see if the wee man kept his promise to me. Oh, Daddy, the wee girl said, 
sitting on my knee. Don't you ever get tired telling the same story? The wee man gave me a story that never gets old. He gave me a beautiful daughter with hair of gold. Yeah, when you say um, different, I think it's interesting because poetry in and of itself is is a totally different beast of its own when it comes to an audio experience, you know, especially because they're, they're so personal poetry. Yeah, so I, I imagine keep, that's a bit difficult to tackle. Yeah, I wanted to keep it a little cleaner on there to try to do like a almost like a dialogue scenario behind a composure to see what it kind of sounds like instead of a full experience of though things are happening and going on around you in a three-dimensional space or four-dimensional in that sense uh, more of a classic i guess you need to call anything throw back to a classic time any questions qualms or anything about that please reach out let me know Thank you very much, and thank you to Chris. Per usual, I'm going to go ahead and credit the actors in the notes of the show. Uh, well, there was only one this time around, but... He has a good voice. Thank I you like very much, voice. sir. Now on to the review. Uh, so yeah, we will kick it off, as per usual, with Drabble and Flash. And our first story is Liberty's Run, Chapter Zero by Walter G. Esselman. Uh, I thought this is a really fun teaser before the premiere of the novel come September. As usual, I am never unimpressed with Walter's delivery and how he presents such clean, delightful, methodical work. And I I really uh, love and, and enjoy reading about Liberty's journey that and this whole crew. That was a nice little reread of his first chapter there. Technically, chapter zero. <laughs> That's an interesting read of, of the uh, librarian with a sniper rifle. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. All right. Next up, we have something better. Teaser number one. At the Biodome by Jim Bates. Uh, this is a nice throwback to Jim's iconic series. And I believe it also readies for full publication. <clears throat> so uh, that's exceedingly exciting. But beyond that, as a huge fan of this series, it's certainly fun to to revisit uh, one of the most iconic scenes that lends itself to the entirety and the rest of the story. You know, it's such an integral part. Of, I mean, the whole story is, but it's it's the the thing that just kicks everything off. And uh, it was fun to revisit that. That was a nice little uh Reread of the aftermath of global warming. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> and next up, How to Cook a Marshmallow by Timothy Law. I love the title alone. <laughs> I love me some uh, contract killer stories. I really like the narrative, too. All the, the suggestive traits, I guess we could call them the suggestive traits behind our protagonist uh, in his career it's it's just a scene that I could easily like when I read it I imagined it being in Barry if anybody's watched that show which is absolutely delightful oh hopefully it's coming back soon it is they're filming nice. but yeah it just it, it it fit just the the humor and the dryness of it I liked it a lot yeah it was a nice uh Nice little piece there of a contract kill. I was wondering, though, why you he needed to go for the entire building because the way he set it up, the entire building's going to now come down. I'm wondering about that. Sir, reach out. Let me know. Thank you very much. Excellent work on that. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Sylvan by Gabriella Balcom. Uh, yeah, it was a gorgeously poetic piece. And when I say yeah, my notes actually scream. Like, I just have yeah with plenty of exclamation points. I just don't feel like animating that <laughs> and annoying everybody who's listening. Uh, absolutely beautiful and majestic, magical, precious. It was really, really beautiful and powerful imagery with a very fantastical but whimsical narrative. I really liked it. Yeah, was this for children, do you think? 
targeted towards children. I think it could has, be. Yeah, it has more, it has a... more of a, like a feel of like a child's book one there. Thank you very much. And next up, we have The Time Traveling Healer, episode five by Jim Bates. Pleasantly short and sweet and sorry, word of the week, uh, I think is going to be precious. There are two more parts to go with the series. So that also kind of makes me a bit antsy, <laughs> but I do hope we get to dive into the mystery of Maddie a, a teensy bit more uh, before the end, just because I'm very curious. Like, I, I love what's presented so much that I would love a little bit more insight if it wants to be offered. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Sonia, sir. All right, next up we have Date Night by Timothy Law. All right, so we have an issue here that has spawned. I loved this story with a passion, and it, it made me very hungry. Okay, my brain convinced me that this is a cannibal story. As where I have known that the story is just a person eating a delicious foul <laughs> dinner by themselves. I, but I think that's what, what makes the story so good is, okay, it pro it makes far more sense for it to be about eating chicken and both senses. It doesn't take away from the story at all. You know, it, it makes it just as delightful if you were to read it, if it were a cannibalistic story or if you were eating a chicken. <laughs> so I think that kind of, it still works. So I, I loved it though i thought it was really delightful um again made me very hungry and it did not disappoint and just an absolutely delightful story thank you very much sir all right next up coffee is life by stephanie j barty my biggest pet peeve this story is just a a reminder of my biggest pet peeve in life when my keurig turns off at night and i'm just i'm just too impatient come uh the next day so yes seraphina i get you wholeheartedly <laughs> i really like this piece though um the suggestion of the macabre two of my favorite things coffee and spookiness do the, the, the keurigs have automatic next day set times maybe the fancier ones yeah it's a thing because you could on a regular coffee maker you can just set that bad boy up set it up next morning boom done thank you very much and last but not least, in The Drebble and Flash, we have Paint by Number by David K. Montoya. I love this concept a ton. I And when I say this, again, I really just want it to be remembered and recalled. <laughs> I do not mean it out of anything other than how much I love it and how like this would work so well as a big story. But again, I'm greedy. Uh, but it still works very well as a Javelin Flash piece. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. Do you think that he uses the victim's body parts and blood and everything to create the paintings? No. Like like the memento? Right? No. You can have like a little memento inside the painting, you think? Maybe, maybe like a little bit. But I mean, blood is, is a very tricky material to paint with. I'm just saying now, like... Now what would be interesting... I'm just saying add like bits of blood to the paint i'm not saying to actually use the blood yeah but it's still an unreliant color because when it oxidizes and it changes but what would be interesting dave if you want to create a follow-up to this um <laughs> is if he actually created his very own mummy brown which i'm sure a lot of people know this mummy brown is actually way back when not that long ago uh, <laughs> was actually a shade of brown if you hadn't guessed, that was formulated using actual dried mummified flesh. So I will go ahead and pretend that that's happening. If that lends to your question. Thank you very much, sir. All right. And now we move on to fantasy. And our first story is Going Out of Business by James Rumpel. I think this is a lovely look at a small handful of the issues that have come to light in modern day. And the necessary coping mechanisms we need to utilize. And as always, I absolutely love James's work um, because there's so much of his voice in each piece. And I know he's worked really hard to achieve that. Like if you had me read this story, I would suspect it was James Rumpel who'd, who'd written it. And I think that says a lot. 
terrific and lovely story. I thought he did pretty well with the uh, oddity shop scenario with the whole, you know, here's a, here's a little bit of chunk of life on the shelf right there. You go out <laughs> to the shelf and a little life advice tips are along the shelf and you're like, I think I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. <laughs> um, so good work on using that oddity shop scenario, sir. Thank you very much. All right. And next up, Petra's Tale, part six by Timothy Law. I think I I absolutely <laughs> lied last time when I said I couldn't wait to get more content about the ghouls. That was absolutely heart-wrenching. Those fellas, the absolute perfect way to torture someone like Petra, though. Like, oh, just oh, that poor, 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 poor druid. I also love the the stoicism, though, that she still exerts. I think that's very important to her character and who she is. And the trials that Tim puts these characters through are, for us, the reader, uh, super rewarding, albeit terrible, in the sense that we hate to read about them going through these horrible events, is all I mean. But again, I will always be obsessed with Tim's dialogue delivery as well and the cleanliness of his work. So beautifully written, uh, no matter how terrifying a scenario, especially feeling so empathetic toward poor Petra. Uh, gorgeous and gloomy and magical. Thank you very much, sir. And jumping over to horror, we have our first piece, A Hotel California Night, Part 1, by Linda M. Sov. Uh, I'm going to get myself into trouble the way I did with the Ghouls of Petra's Tale, but I am very excited to see where we're headed. I think initially the tone is set because of the title. You know, it's there in your head, the the melody. It's it's there. And you're very, very hyper aware of the space that the story is, is forming and creating and kind of nursing and nestling you into. And I love the tension. I just, I really, really like it. And I can't wait to see what's coming for Anna next. But I may eat my words. And when I say that, I mean because I'm genuinely spooked. <laughs> I think this one has a good premise. I really like the interesting start because of the almost like a road trip feel on the beginning. When somebody answers the door and refers to somebody as master inside the house, you know, it's going to be a horror story of some sort. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I think the fact that it's it's in the horror genre uh, is the first clue there. Easy money. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, next up, A Little Hole in the Wall by Don DeBrawl. If you couldn't tell by my movie review this month, I've been taking in a lot of Asian horror as of late. And Don, you absolutely knocked my socks off. While it was unique and an awesome and interesting story with all of the lore and everything, it really felt like you were also just paying homage to Asian horror as a whole. And I love that so much. Like, I don't know if you if you were doing it intentional or not, but it 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 shows in some way the imagery and the setup, everything about it just felt so nail bitingly intense. I just I loved it. Terrific. Yeah. This one has a good premise. I like the uh like the hotel of the afterlife is a good pitch. I like that. If I were to see a hole in a hotel, I would not believe that would be my first inclination. However, this story definitely delivers in Don Fashion. Thank you very much. I think we need to trademark that. Don Fashion. Don Fashion <laughs> trademark. Call us Don. We'll work it out. <laughs> fashion has to be with a U, though. Fashion. Fashion. <laughs> All right, next up we have Maxed Out Part 2 by Alison Fay. To say I enjoyed this one would be an absolute understatement. It was so good. Alison did a fantastic job capturing the grisliness toward the end of the story and so gross. I loved it. Uh, I loved every minute of reading this and it was just delightfully sick and twisted and absolutely a fitting ending. Amazing work, Alison. I feel she could stretch this little puppy out. Like, her main character of this one could have his own set of, like, little mini-series and whatnot. It's like, it's kind of, at the same time, I'm kind of, like, hurt a little bit. 
it hurt a little bit that guy died that way, you know, because I'm saying like this guy, you can set him up with his kind of attitude for an entire little series of his own. But uh, thusly, tis not my world. <laughs> so thank you very much. All right. And last but not least, in the horror genre, we have Penance Part 4, Best Kept Secrets by Stephanie J. Barty. I mean, it's not like Reese is inconsistent. A woman kept her dang word. So don't act all surprised, Christopher. You have to imagine me waving my hand and raising my eyebrows at that boy. Uh, <laughs> the entire story has me perched on the edge of the seat, I think, to say to say the least. I, I think because, jokes aside, about Reese's consistency, she is really unpredictable. When we started the story, she was, of course, very remorseful, very almost scared of her, her, her past, you know, and, you know, the, that shame ultimately we think is what's going to drive her. And then she gets out and suddenly, nope. <laughs> so that unpredictability she, that she kind of harnesses is absolutely terrifying. Having a character who perpetuates that kind of chaos is a very smart and really, yeah, just a really smart way to go about having a character-driven story. You can just let it drive. I loved it. I'm very excited. And I love that you have no idea whose side to be on. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I love the narrative. Excellent work. One issue I have with this story is that car. So the Trans Am had the 301 Turbo. Fortunately, this is speaking to Chris, the character. That car had a total of 210 horsepower when that thing came out, right? So we were talking about a classic muscle car. The car itself is definitely a beauty. Like, the Trans Am is a work of art by Pontiac. Fully had the T-tops. As, as someone who had a muscle car of the sister class with that much horsepower, don't get your hopes too high there, Chris Bud. <laughs> <laughs> I but, remember yeah. the thing. So, uh, <sighs> yeah, but you could spin the tires on it still. That little posi track. You know posi track? You could hear, oh my gosh. I don't know what it is in you attracting cars for some reason that you can hear a mile away. Seriously. He would come home from work and there would be like a, a, a turn he would make about a mile away and we could hear it and the dogs would go off just knowing it was him. It had but the most one time, beautiful dual flow masters on this thing and you hear just <laughs> like it was a heartbeat against the ground. <laughs> it was taking his last breath though. That yeah. Way. Anywho, what about the time you set off uh, all the car alarms? That was the truck. Going down the street. That was the truck. I had a truck that did <laughs> that. We painted the death proof. Had the death proof logo <laughs> on there. It wasn't even. A, it wasn't even vinyl. It was straight up spray by spray painted the hood. The guy who bought it kind of looked at the hood. <laughs> and he looked at me. And he looked at the hood and he shrugged his shoulders. <laughs> I looked at him and gave him the classic line. You. <laughs> This truck's 100% death proof. But to get the full benefit, you really got to be sitting in that seat. <laughs> please don't fuck. Please don't sue the podcast. <laughs> anyway, back to the point. Back oh, to yes. the story. So, Sorry, excellent, Stephanie. <laughs> excellent work on this as per usual. I can't wait to see where this one goes. Thank you very much. And next up in action and suspense, we have The Thicket by Steve Carr. Uh, what I really enjoyed about this piece is that it really was impossible to peel your eyes away. It was masterfully orchestrated and it delivers what we need and maintains the mystery without ever like overworking it um, to the point of it feeling like you're being punched in the face uh, <laughs> and ruining the experience. And I say that because that happens in a lot of a lot of horror or thriller genres where it's just it, it gets so overworked to the point where it stops feeling any way other than you know getting your head hit by a brick over and over again so I love it when there's that maintenance of of mystery behind it and so yeah I thought it was a very a very interesting and excellent story yeah it was an interesting concept with the interdimensional space between the thicket and the characters and the whole mindscape and all that good stuff. Excellent work on that one, sir. 
All right, next up in science fiction, we have A Fight Amongst the Ruin by Josh Poole. Uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant writing and work. Action sequences can be uh, super painful to write without becoming or feeling repetitive and monotonous, you know, and just like overusing, again, overworking it, you know, but this one was just constant. It was constantly moving and shifting and twisting and turning and it just kept my heart racing personally. Uh, the end, I really thought was very powerful to to take an action sequence and then put so much heart into the end of it, you know, with no no concept of before or after, you know, this is just this is what we're working with and have that much soul in it, like simply phenomenal. I think Josh really, really brought the power <laughs> to this one. Absolutely wonderful work. I'm going to say you might want to be a little careful with the Gundam word, but uh, I definitely found this one really entertaining. I, as, as I was reading it, I was really hoping that it would turn into a story where the main characters would question their own existence, you know, as, as to why they're both fighting with these giant mechanical robots and they're just tearing each other's limbs apart and everything like that. And then you just like sit there and wonder at what point in this life, why do I exist in this point of this life to do this? You know, I think it was Saving Private Ryan. Was that the movie? It was Saving Private Ryan where the, the instant where the, the, the Nazi and the American, he, the American's like, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, we ain't got to do this. You know, and then the Nazi's like, you're got to do it. Had that, that moment in time of the war to where it's like, what does this all mean? So it's like you have the mech pilots and they're just chilling. They're like, what does this all mean? Mm -hmm. I thought that was an excellent little take on there. I just loved when they started spouting the exact same rhetoric that they had both been fed, but it was the same thing. Yeah. Putting each other. I just, I really like how. how... Which is normally the, the, yeah. normally the thing is because think of like all our country's wars and everything like that. And it's like, well, who's the bad guy? Yeah. You know, and everybody pointing the finger at everybody else. These are the ones. Yeah. Excellent the whales work. and the dolphins in that episode of South Park. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent work going on, sir. All right. And next up, we have Humor. Date Night by Alan Russo. I wish I could roll my, my R's better. This story was originally featured in Zombie Works, Full Moon, and Howlin'. And I think it's become a staple for me to get really excited and happy when we have anything other than a hetero uh, romantic coupling. Uh, so that was refreshing. Thank goodness. I also really like the thought that went into the dynamic between the starring duo and the lightheartedness behind the entire plot. While it was undoubtedly not a lighthearted subject, trying to avoid being a hunter in the throes of a, of a lycanthropic episode, <laughs> I guess we could call it. It just worked really nicely, you know. And I will add is just edit, edit, edit. There were a few peculiarities with grammar and tenses which of course they happen so i get it uh but yeah i really thought it was a fun story thank you very much sir all right guys let's jump on over to poetry and our first piece mind the gap by Mahela melnick uh i thought this was absolutely a beautiful piece i like the the concept a lot again with poetry and and when it it really is so personal you know, you're going to you're going to read and understand it entirely different to how the author possibly meant it. But I think I think I kind of grasp it. And I really like the idea of progression or I mean, I guess you can look at it like that. That's kind of how I took it. Kind of having to move forward. One word. Beautiful. Thank you very much on that. Absolutely. All right. And our next piece of hymns and hums by Scott Thomas Outler. I'm not sure if this was a religious take, and if it was, again, poetry is personal, and uh, it's going to have a very different meaning to uh, its author, to its audience. So based on presentation alone, I thought it was absolutely beautifully written and delivered, and yeah, great, great, great work. Thank you very much on that, sir. All right, moving on to Hollow Victory by Kathleen Chamberlain. I know I tend to say this very often, and I know even now, like, keep going into how personal it is, but I don't think it's an easy task for poets, for good poets, that's the key word. Uh, but Kathleen painted this tale with such vividness and just meticulous language, absolutely stunning, the roller coaster 
of emotion from triumph to loss. Just phenomenal. Absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely gorgeous. Excellent work on that one. I like the internal struggle. Thank you very much. All right. Next up, we have The Only Angel by Vahid Hussein Syed. Uh, I thought this was a beautiful ballad that honors the purity of love and comfort. On on one hand, I so admire and adore that take on, be- you know, of beauty and all the things pleasant that love and uh, that Vahid delivered with this piece. But I also like that on the other hand, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I think there's something very dark about it. And when I say that, there, where's the line drawn, you know, when when we begin to put our loved ones on on these pedestals where we can't see those flaws, where we can't see things that could be potentially problematic, harmful or hurtful, uh, trying to combine those two words. And I, I think there's like this this danger to it it's it's wonderful to see all the transcendence of their magnificence but like i said you know it it's just interesting to how it got me thinking point is i thoroughly love how this piece started churning in my mind and i absolutely adore it absolutely beautiful thank you very much for your mastery thank you very much sir all right next up we have liquid dark by kate mcdonald if this is what i how i perceived it Again, and I might be totally wrong, because and I can't say it enough how it, how interpretations shift. Uh, so how I how I may have read it may be totally different. It's a f- familiar feeling in a certain way. I think is the best way I can word that. <laughs> I don't know. I took it in a very personal way, so that's why maybe I'm having a hard time kind of registering my outward thoughts for it. It's a beautiful piece. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely stunning. It just kind of hit me in a good in a good way. Yeah, that's pretty sweet little visual right there. Thank you very much. It has me staggered in a good way. <laughs> All right, next up we have Dirge for Hector by Sultana Raza. Uh, Sultana's homage to uh, Hector is so beautifully posed. Minute one, the stage is set, and even with minute knowledge, Sultana for our our the audience's behalf, uh, Sultana gifts us this entire story so it's like we get it from minute one we understand this lore that we're following and tracing um it's just and and in such a a short eloquent way it was so masterfully delivered absolutely powerful and moving uh stunning work do you imagine like back in the old days they actually pronounced it differently than we did what if they called it dirty i got my dirty i got dirty for you hector (laughs) Watch out for this dirty. Yeah. <laughs> but seems like Hector, I got a little Achilles blues there, baby. Thank you very much on this one. All right. Next up, What's Taught in the Fool of the Moon by Linda Imbler. Yeah. As always, Linda is another poet who just like whips a brush and paints a picture. And this is another piece that just feels so deep and personal like it's it's clinging on to your insides to whisper into your ear uh there's an intimacy of this piece is what i'm trying to say and i loved it thank you very much symphony by john w flukinger i was very excited to see uh john's return because i love his work so 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 much this is a piece that reminds me why there's this beautiful method to how he delivers these facets of life and art we often take for granted or or don't even appreciate that often. So just an awesome, awesome piece. Yeah, I really enjoyed this poem because you can just hear and visualize this. Uh, you know, if you're listening, sir, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Hoser, he's a developed cellist, had released this cover of Wicked Game, hands down. Everybody stop what you're doing. The war is over for media and attention. It's done. He's won. Let's go home. (laughs) Go check that video out if you are curious to see what I mean. Mr. John, sir, thank you very much. (laughs) Next up, we have Phone Call by Peggy Gerber. Uh, This is the Schrodinger's cat of a phone call. I think this is a familiar feeling, and Peggy gets it on the nose like I said last month writing about grief 
is a very difficult thing because it's so deep and it like it just burrows in us while also enveloping us in ways we don't always know how to communicate. But handling just that one line, if I could just an- unanswer the phone, you know immediately. You understand that feeling immediately. You know the depth, the gravity, the feeling, the anguish, the knowingness of that grief. Just an immaculate piece. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Peggy. Thank you very much. Excellent work. And last but not least, The Council by Stephanie J. Barty. I don't know what it was. I was a baby reading most of these poems. <laughs> I think there, there was something in the water. I... I, I, I I think this is a piece that needs to be printed on the eyelids of every creative. This this hit this one also just it hit me really hard. If you couldn't tell by me stumbling over my words. Maybe because it's exactly like how I'm feeling as of late, but oh, it it hit me. I I did cry a little even reading this one because we we all know this feeling as creatives you can't help it. I just love everything about this piece and the idea of personifying both the gross and cruel, but also the beautiful and hopeful facets of our minds. It's just, it works and it hits hard and it's perfection. I really like this piece a lot. Absolutely. You said it best, mom. Thank you very much. I Stephanie. could probably go on and on and on about it, but I'm not going to. I think you covered <laughs> I think you covered the bases. All right, guys. Now we can move over to art. And our first, my best stuffy by Zoe M. Montoya. Best stuffy indeed. I feel like I need to do that like a little cartoon kid. Bust stuffy. Uh, <laughs> it was really cute. Those eye glints do all the telling of this piece meshed with the gentle posing. Yes, the best. The cutest. Very smart decisions. Zoe, love it. Absolutely adorable little poochies. Thank you very much, Zoe. And next up we have Fight Like a Girl by Rebecca Illich. I always talk about when I was a teenager and I was involved in the dolling community and it was just tons of people who did like pixel art. Uh, you know, you zoom in at 100 or I can't even remember what it was at the time. I think it was like max was like 500 percent on MS Paint back in the day. Anyway, as the name suggests, we called them dolls because oftentimes people would create like bases for you to go on and paint your whole design on top of. And on the forums, Eden Enchanted, we all had avatars. And this one reminds me of that so much. And I mean this in like my nostalgic way, the familiarity and comfort of of seeing that same kind of juxtaposition and like posing and stuff. It just made me so happy. And Sailor Moon for the win. And I also saw that cosplay Rebecca and I loved it. Anyway, point is love, love, love this piece for a multitude of reasons, personally and artistically. It's just fun and easy to look at. It's clean. And those eyes are gorgeous. I'm just going to go ahead and piggyback off of that. Good old little winded review there. Thank you very much. <laughs> Give me more coffee. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Book of War by Talia McMullen. Nice. Tackling animals, especially in an interesting style, is tricky. Especially with certain angles that could ultimately be uh, bad. But this is not that. Time and time again, Talia proves how amazingly talented she is. Uh, the riveting and the armor, those tiny details on the ankles, everything. I just think it's a truly phenomenal showcase of talent. I really like it too. And I really wonder if there's a hidden agenda behind this war donkey. Man, I mean, thank you very much, Leah. Next up, Lady Dimitres by Who did me. this one? I'm in a very self-loathing state of mind right now, so you can you can take this. It is superb as usual. I had not. I wasn't actually. I don't really play video games. So I wasn't aware. I was who trying this, to make you play this. Who one. this character was? Apparently, she's very prominent amongst fans and and whatnot of Resident Evil. Like I did play a little bit of it. But you didn't like, get to any of the, the nephew. Parts. The nephew threw on with the lichen, and he's like, "Hey, check this yeah, out!" Yeah, and he put it on like the hardest mode possible. I am you haven't a, played a video game in like I'm a hard, ten years. I'm a hardcore gentleman. All right, I needed the hardest lichen mode. I was not aware that they had changed the dynamics of the video game. So now, next thing is, no, you, you aim at the lichen, but 
you fire, and now it can actually dodge bullets. And I'm like, oh boy, because it was the hardest <laughs> possible setting. That's a that's a new video game it. dynamic that is is it's awesome. Go back and play it on a normal mode. Like when I was and a, play the Lady Dimitris. When I was a kid, parts. right? You play the video games, and you're like, I can't wait till the day is when these things get a lot harder. Like they can move and they can buy and whatnot. And, and then it happens. And you're then, like, ah, and crap. Time goes by, and you start crying. You know, you start crying over the video games. Like, oh my god, the, the werewolves just teleporting. He's, he's almost like an actual dynamics of like the actual werewolf that would actually speed. I wonder. Well, how that's f- how they did everything. They did everything mocap. Yeah, I wonder if, like, actual werewolves would be able to, like, what if you had a werewolf that, here's here's a little something for somebody listening, what if you had a werewolf that could actually have, like, interdimensional travel, in a sense, as though, like, you know how... Like Mothman? Well, like, you know how um, that one X-Men guy would go to, the, what was it, Beast guy, would go to, uh, into this other dimension when he wanted to teleport. Like, what if there was a werewolf that could do that, right? And they were just teleporting werewolf, and he was, he was not really teleporting, he was just, like, moving really fastly between the dimensions, and that way he can come in and out of each, uh, portal. Then he would just be moving really, really fast, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent work on uh, the Lady D. Hiena. <laughs> Beautiful work as usual. Then why can't I draw a knit? Why can't you shoot that werewolf hardcore <laughs> mode, buddy? <laughs> no. Big Bomba by Ryan Scherfenberg. I love sticker pieces. Uh, super clean and super satisfying to look at. Which is absolutely what Ryan delivers. And I love this little guy. Uh, ready to strike with complete chaos. But still alarmingly pleasant to look at. You know? And again, the, the stippling is immaculate. The palette is stunning. The flare at the end of the wick. I love it all. Yeah, it's a dope little clean sticker design right there. Thank you very much, sir. Next up, we have Crown and Bones by Trevor Sanders. Another clean and meticulous piece that soothes all my senses. The line work is brilliant. The palette is majestic. I love that blue so much. And it's smart. The balance is calculated super, super well. And it just satisfies its audience. I love it. Absolutely awesome piece. That's a great third eye rendering on that one. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, sir. Excellent work. And next up, Obey by Dan Hammond. Yes, Love it. Uh, Can we also talk about monochromatic tonal shading and how freaking amazing Dan did it. And the plaid. Oh, I am envious at the moment. Absolutely a work of talent and envy. Uh, Love, love, love. And if you couldn't tell, I'm a huge fan art uh, fanatic. So this also delivers for me in that department as well. Absolutely. Enjoy that movie and that little piece right there. (laughs) I think it's funny. You just you look at it and you just hear it like you didn't even have to title it that or put it on the the uh, text bubble and you would just hear it. Like flip those shades up. (laughs) Thank you very much. Excellent work. All right. And finally, we have The Savage Chief Baron by Clayton Barton. I I do not know what I was anticipating based off of the title, but this bad boy loaded and I gasped. Like when it it just, it loaded on my screen, I literally went, oh, the line work is absolutely dreamy and perfect. The colors are everything, that palette. Oh my God. Uh, I'm genuinely blown away. Absolutely blown away. I, I the only thing and it's not even like a critique or anything I just wish like it had been uploaded in the max scale so I could zoom in on it and just like drink this whole thing up like in like the most finest like pixel format and just appreciate it that close absolutely beautiful yeah this one has a stupid amount of skill in this one right here excellent work on that sir Thank you very much. Move us into the review section. First up, we have the Where Are They Now? interview with Sarah St. John. C.W. Winter interviews Sarah, and they speak of the magazine, her books, and Pixelated Polly. If you're interested in seeing what they got up to in that interview, give that a look-see. 
After that, we have the Myth Master Podcast with Alice Grim Rose, a 14-year-old author. Go get that listen if you want to hear what she gets up to in her own writing special. After that, we have the movie review of Nori, the curse. Did I say that right? I think it's Noroi, but I'm not, I'm not 100% positive. The paranormal horror movie by Aona Jenna. She gave it a four spanking stars. <laughs> you ripped in my she, review. She gave it. it a four spanking star review, I'll tell you that. If you want to get down on some classic paranormal horror movie action, go give that a look-see on there. If you're interested in what Jenna has to talk about because she won't tell us here, go give that a look-see. After that, we have the book review of Billy Summers by Stephen King by Misha Shavir. I hope I said that last name correctly. This one is a clean review of his new book by a new face. If you're interested in Stephen King and his new book, go give that a look-see over to see what Misha has gone, giving you a full rundown about. That we have the We Were Here for PS4 video game review by Brendan B.J. Miller. He runs us through a video game that goes across all platforms. A hugely successful game, it appears, and fantastically co-op. Please go give that a look over. And for the art review, we have Massive Murals and the History of Midland, Ontario, Canada. As a special reviewer this month, Stephanie breaks down the large myriads around town and gives a description of each. Excellent review on that. And if you're interested in that artwork around Ontario, go and give that a look-see. And after that, we have the Board of Directors Minutes. And if you're interested in, in to see what we get and talk about around the round table or square table, nobody has yet decided the decorum of that room. I'm not A quite star-shaped sure. table. Yes, that'll work. Now we're it could also be dangerous, though. Yeah. Also, probably less space. Yeah. I'm put my coffee in. That'll do it for issue number 99. I am going to put this out there when it comes to issue 100. Depending on how big that sucker is, y'all may have to be patient for that review, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> and we better see some amazing, horrific, terrifying, truly bone-chilling pieces. I will accept nothing less to be reading this time of year. <laughs> That'll probably come in issue 101. But still. All right, guys. You can find us on www.theworldofmyth.com, on Facebook and Twitter at The World of Myth Bits Podcast and The World of Myth Magazine, and on Instagram at The World of Myth Bits. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Mm-hmm.